This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hello, fellow gamers. Welcome to the Video Gamers Podcast. We are three lifelong gamer dads, and on Thursdays like today, we covered the most important gaming news over the last week. You can find us on socials at Video Gamers Pod, and we would love it if you would rate our show five stars. I am your host, Paul, and joining me, he is running around spreading democracy in the universe and offering all his enemies a cup of liberty. It's Ryan. <laughs> take that. Take that. Oh, goodness. I can't wait to talk about Helldivers. And joining Ryan and me this week, he said that Skull and Bones is a quadruple A title worth the $70 price tag. It's Josh. (laughs) (laughs) Is that 1A for every three years of development, Josh? Oh, man. More like every... Yeah. Yeah. What? what, You said every three years of development? Every three years. Okay. Yeah, that's about right. (laughs) All right. Don't worry. We're not going to actually cover uh, any Skull and Bones news again today. We just had to do a quick drive-by because that comment coming out of Ubisoft was just way too funny. All right. We have to start out the show by talking about the release of Helldivers 2. Now, we have been so hyped for this game. We have been talking about almost nothing but for the last couple weeks. I believe all three of us said it was our number one most anticipated game of the year. It's here. We've been cracking out on it. We are going to be releasing a deep dive on Monday, so we're not going to get into too many details, but I thought we could focus a little bit more on the actual news of the release itself and some of the reviews that people have been leaving it. Now, all three of us had shared an article that we all read, and it's from Video Games Chronicle, and I just want to read the headline, Helldivers 2 gets mixed reviews on Steam due to crashes, pay-to-win, and anti-cheat DRM. The article also mentions that on the day of release, the game had a 52% positive Steam rating. So let's kind of break this down. I wanted to ask you guys first about technical issues are you guys getting crashes and issues from the technical standpoint? I have gotten a few. Yes. Um, the last two days. So most of Sunday, there were some pretty significant server issues where people were having a hard time logging in. We Server maintenance. Yeah. We quickly yeah. realized if you just keep smashing retry that after 20 or 30 clicks, <laughs> it'll let it. you win. Yeah, and then and then once you were in, the game was played pretty okay. There was a couple times when like a menu wouldn't load or something like that. But if you could just get into the gameplay itself, it generally ran pretty fine. Um, I think I've had three crashes. And, I think, I think and, I've had about four. Yeah, oh, wow. I was gonna say they they haven't been super prolific, um, but I mean I have had a few. Um, ask me if any of that matters. Josh, does that matter? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> Democracy will be spread yes, no matter liberty, what. Liberty must be spread throughout the galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> By force. Oh, I love that this game has a little bit of that bro force DNA yeah. with the humor. I love nothing more than when a character gets to get on a turret 
and just starts screaming while shooting all the robots or all the bugs. <laughs> oh, it's so great. Yeah, the, the game has technical issues. I mean, I don't think any of us are going to say otherwise. I've had a few crashes straight to desktop. Uh, matchmaking continues to be an issue. You can hit quick join. It'll say it's joining and it'll say failed to join lobby. You got to do it 14 times in a row. And if you're lucky, it'll finally connect. And then hopefully you don't have any people griefing on the team. <laughs> um, what about the accusations of the game being pay to win? Because I was shocked when I saw that because I would say categorically this game is not pay to win, but some people have levied that against the game. Yeah, I, I can see where people are coming from, but I know people also get real antsy when they uh, see those battle passes and see those types of things where they not only come with cosmetics, but they come with weapons. So I, I do know uh, one of our friends, Andy, was on and me and uh, another uh, guy were playing and he's like, hey, is this is this that gun that you unlocked with your with your battle pass or whatever? And he's like, yeah, and we're like, this thing's freaking sweet, man. <laughs> it's like this thing is awesome. So I, I can understand where, where some people are coming from, but I, I don't see it. I mean, you can still unlock all that stuff by playing the game. So, yeah, just might take a little bit more work is all. But who doesn't want to dispense liberty throughout, you know? The galaxy <laughs> yeah they i understand why people are commenting about a pay to win because if you are getting weapons that are stronger than your friends who didn't buy the premium edition that seems a little off on like the scales of balance but listen i mean people like to complain about really stupid things sometimes and i think people just like to run with a certain narrative and I just don't get it. Like I, I, I can, I can understand the thought process, but if you have played Hell Divers, and you understand what the game is and the fun that is had in that game, you are probably amongst the ninety nine point eight percent of people that just go, "I don't care. This game is fun. I'm having a great time with my friends, and I." Don't care that somebody has a gun that's slightly better than me. If they paid for it, fine. I, I you can argue the nuance of pay to win and and you know stronger weapons and things like that, but it just doesn't matter at and, that point. And the thing too is it's not it's not like it's PvP where we're competing against each other. Exactly. It's, we're PvE. We're all just shooting monsters or, or robots, you know. So it's it's it helps you. Like why it's, would you be upset? It's cooperative gameplay. The yeah. better your squad mates are, the better you are going to do and the more fun you are going to have. So again, stop it with the nitpicking of tiny little things in games. We saw this with Starfield when some random person discovered that if you run for 15 minutes straight, you'll hit an invisible wall. Nobody's doing that. There's not <laughs> right. pay to win in Helldivers 2. This is not ruining the game for anybody. It's a non-issue. It's just, it, it kind of bugs me a little bit. I'm not going to lie. I, again, it's one of those things where I get the concept, but in reality, it doesn't matter to the game itself. Well, and quite honestly, a lot of people's favorite weapons don't even come from the premium battle pass. Yeah. And even if you do, it's not pay to win. You still have to grind out your medals to unlock it. It's just a little bit of a shortcut. It just makes it quicker, but you can give those weapons to anybody. It doesn't mean you're automatically going to start beating all the levels on hard. I mean, you can give really terrible players the best weapon, the quote best weapons. If you're still dropping Eagle strikes and not calling them out, you're going to fail anyway. So it's not even pay to win. So I don't like them even using that phrase. 
Uh, in regards to the anti-cheat, I mean, look, people get all up in arms. My biggest issue with anti-cheat is when companies are not forthcoming about it. When they add Denuvo four hours before release, that's what I take issue with because it seems like a cover-up. But anti-cheat itself is just needed in games. Oh, yeah. and, and people have a lot of heartburn over the fact that Helldivers 2 uses NProtect GameGuard because it has kernel-level access to your games. Well, I actually did a little bit of a deep dive into the history of anti-cheat software. Long story short, the whole reason this exists is that cheaters started using cheats that appeared as device drivers. And so anti-cheat software couldn't touch it. It was almost like cheats were on God mode because you can't touch the drivers. So the anti-cheat people said, well, either we just have cheaters everywhere or we have to launch anti-cheat as device drivers. So we're on an equal battleground. So look, is it a perfect system? Do I like giving access, you know, from the kernel level to anti-cheat? No, I think it's better than games being ruined. I think cheating is the worst thing you can introduce to a game. So I don't know. All in all, I kind of feel like that stuff doesn't really matter. And by the way, the the positive rating now on Steam has climbed to 76%. I think it's only going to keep going up. Oh, yeah. I mean, everyone we know has enjoyed the game, right? Yeah. I have not heard a single detractor, to be honest with you, um, on this game at all. Like, I mean, that's pretty crazy. Like, I, I mean, usually there's the people that go, this game sucks. I tried it. I don't see what everybody's raving about. I've not seen that anywhere. I mean, you know, surely this game is not for everybody. I, I tried to convince my daughter, you know, I was like, come look at this game. It's so much fun. And she was like, yeah, that's not my kind of game, dad. And I just went, where have I failed? You know? <laughs> is this the daughter who only plays Ark? Is, yes, are there just yeah. not enough dinosaurs? Oh, yeah, exactly. So, you know, so I get it. It's not for everybody. But for those that have tried it and played it, the the appeal seems to be pretty universal. Yeah the, yeah, the Discord server's just been bumping. It's nonstop. Who's playing? Is anyone on? And I just keep see, seeing people in the voice chat. Everyone keeps hopping on and asking who's coming, when they're playing. It's It's been super active, at least for everybody I know. Uh, we've just been waiting so long for a fun shooter to play together. Oh, I'm yeah. just so glad it's here. <laughs> All right. Before we hit our next story, we do want to let our listeners know about how you can support us through Patreon. If you like what we do and want to be a part of keeping our show afloat, you get bonus episodes, you get a shout out on the show. If that sounds interesting to you, please consider signing up, even if it's just a month or two on Patreon. Starts at just five bucks a month. It's well worth your time and money. You can check it out at MultiplayerSquad.com. All right. Next story of the week, Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. I mean, this this game is a big deal, and it's coming out in just a couple weeks. It won Most Anticipated Game at the Game Awards, and they have a live demo that can be played on PS5. Josh, of course, famously, you do not have one. You you were not able to check it out. Uh, Ryan and I did both play. I know that neither Ryan nor I consider ourselves to be Final Fantasy fanboys, Ryan even let out a little bit of a sigh when I said, can you go check out this demo? So I'm very curious to hear your thoughts, Ryan. What did you think about the Rebirth demo? I thought the world was beautiful. And it was, yeah, it was just gorgeous. And then, uh, and then it was a Final Fantasy game. (laughs) That's that's about (laughs) it. No, I I thought, I thought it was, I thought it was good. I, I just, just like, you know, Josh said with his daughter, there, I'm just not a Final Fantasy guy. I, I'm sure it's going to get all the accolades in the world. I'm sure it's going to be absolutely amazing. I'm sure we'll probably have to deep dive it. 
um, for all you great listeners out there. But it's just from what I played, it was really good, and I I did enjoy the characters. I enjoyed um, kind of some of the the world. Again, it was beautiful. It's just not my type of game. So the funny thing is. I was much higher on Final Fantasy 16 than either of you. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah. This game looks just as good, if not a little bit better. The music is fantastic. I will say it was a lot of fun because I was I, I never liked Final Fantasy when it was more turn-based, but I do remember having fun playing seven back in the day and swapping out materia and experimenting with all that. You have that in spades right from the get-go. They're throwing materia at you left and right. You can immediately start tinkering. Like, do I want to add another ability, or do I want to use this materia that makes the materials next to it more powerful, and you start you know, swapping stuff in and out? I will say, I wasn't crazy about the flashbacks with Tifa in the very skimpy cowboy oh, outfit. Yeah. I don't know how you felt, Ryan. As a 39-year-old, it felt a little creepy. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, well, those they always try to I was telling my wife, I'm like, yeah, that's Tifa. That's a, a big time cosplay girl that a lot of a lot of yeah. people cosplay. She's like, why? I'm like, well, look what she's wearing. <laughs> so yeah, I, I I I saw it too. And um yeah, the flashbacks were not my favorite part of the demo. <laughs> Well, literally the whole demo is yeah. <laughs> flashbacks of Cloud talking about Sephiroth and kind of how he goes bad. Um, Josh, f- hilariously, you played the Final Fantasy VII remake and Ryan and I did not. And here we're playing the demo of part two, which you didn't play. Uh, do you want to offer any thoughts on the remake or do you have any questions for us? I the, So we were chatting a little bit about this before we started recording. I really enjoyed Final Fantasy VII remake. Now, th- did both of you play the original Final Fantasy VII? I played yes. I played a little bit of it, but I was never big on turn-based games, so I never okay. really played much. PlayStation 1 days. Yeah, yeah, I mean, for me, Final Fantasy VII back in the day was one of the greatest games ever made. I mean, it still ranks up there in a lot of people's lists. It's a little strange for me because because of my fond memories of that game, I was a little hesitant to even want to play the remake because it was like, nothing's going to touch this. This is just going to be a disappointment to me. And I will say that I thoroughly enjoyed the remake. And then I just kind of forgot about Rebirth coming out. And then even when it was announced, I just didn't get excited because I was like, well, I don't have a PlayStation. I'm probably not going to wind up playing this. I already know the story in the game. And again, I think it's that same, like, I don't want to compare it to the Final Fantasy VII of old because that's not really a fair thing to compare. You know what I mean? And so I have not been hyped for it, but that has nothing to do about the game itself. It's my own weird, like, I don't want to compare this to one of my favorite games of all times in my memory. But then more news has started coming out, you know, (laughs) and it's like there's there's been more videos and there's been the hype trains getting rolling. And then I just went... Dude, Final Fantasy VII Remake was great. Like, I had a ton of fun playing that. And it seems like Rebirth is going to be a huge step forward. And that is like, how I can't ignore it anymore, man. And then when Paul was like, guys, we're probably going to have to deep dive this. It was like the switch just flipped in my brain. And I went, wait, am I going to get to play it? You know, And it's like, I just instantly, then it's like, oh, man, don't. I don't need another game to get all excited about. <laughs> it's been a wild year already. Yeah, I can't yeah. believe how good 2024 has been. The 
the the the combat and the cutscenes are so cinematic. It looks so good. And I don't know if this was in the remake or not, but they have all these abilities that are like synergize abilities with two characters or like these limit abilities that are like these ultimates that are just so fun to do. I will say that weirdly, the biggest criticism I've seen of the game are the outlines of the ledges that you climb. Like, you know how those were all really yellow, Uh, Ryan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. People are, like, kind of up in arms about that. People hated that in Resident Evil 4, because you know how you could bust open the boxes, like, with your knife, and it might have, like, a green herb or whatever? Uh In the remake, they put that, like, yellow stripe on it, so you know it's breakable. Mm -hmm. And people didn't like that. And so a lot of people complained about that here. And I, I saw a funny quote where people said, gamers want to be handled but they don't want to know that they're being handled yeah. and i thought that was funny so some people felt like it's tweaked a little too high to make it obvious where to climb uh, i will say ironically i didn't care about the yellow stripes but the climbing is very slow yeah. i wanted it to be more like assassin's creed let me like pull myself and leap between the jump ledges um really that's my only well i guess my other complaint is what, what ryan what was the deal with the the mako vacuums where you oh. couldn't activate an elevator until you vacuum the Mako gas? Yeah, I don't. I didn't understand that at all. I don't, I don't get it. Yeah, it's it's yeah those things and into the the climbing stuff too is like you know on like God of War you have the, like the little glyphs up on the walls and stuff so you're like yeah okay yeah, yeah. but the second you walk to an area you're like wait where do I go where are they at you know and then you start to freak <laughs> out so they, yeah like they don't want to know you got to walk that fine line of how you know how to to it, guide everybody it was the remember evil west and that was one of my complaints yeah. is like the white the just glowing glimmering <laughs> chains and, and i was like guys yeah. i am not blind i can like i can see that i do like how god of war did it at like the yellow paint on a ledge is another good one where it's, yeah. it's subtle but it's there that i think is a very good compromise uh in that regard so I, how is combat? I'm, I mean, I didn't get to play the demo, but I feel like combat is enhanced because now you have the combo skills that you can do with the two characters, which looks really cool. And it's different for each combo of characters, which I thought was really neat. Um, and I like that it's not it's like it's kind of live action combat, but where you can pause. It's like a hybrid system almost. Um, yeah. How did you guys feel about that? Like, what did it feel good? Was it what are your thoughts on that? almost identical to final fantasy 16 yeah and, and and honestly it's a little hack and slash if we do end up deep deep diving it i'm gonna pump up the difficulty immediately because i didn't even come close to dying once in this demo yeah agreed. but i still highly recommend people checking it out i think it's just i'd rather a game be too easy and let me bump up the difficulty than starting out too hard so that's that's the only thing i would say you mean you don't want to fight a boss 30 or 40 times yeah you guys are weird man <laughs> preferably not <laughs> Then again, I didn't like one-shotting everything in this game yeah. either, but yeah, yeah it, it's still, it ooh, it was a lot of fun. I I think I might be becoming a Final Fantasy oh, fan, which I did not word. see coming. Well, <laughs> I will say this. I mean, if there was ever a Final Fantasy that has the DNA to make a fan out of somebody, it's Final Fantasy VII. So yeah. I think the idea of making Ryan play this and then seeing what his thoughts are kind of excites me because it's like, if you don't like this one, you're just like you said, and that's okay. You know, like to just say, Hey, I get that. It's a great game. It's just not my kind of game. And that's totally understandable, but I am very curious to see if it can like win him over. It it was weird as someone who didn't play. I, pl- I played a little bit because everybody had that game when, you know, I was a kid. Um, but even though I really didn't put a lot of time into it, 
it was still nostalgic to see like Cloud and Sephiroth and you see the big sword and Tifa and stuff. So it, it was weird. It was oddly nostalgic for someone who didn't even play the game because they're so iconic. Those characters are just everywhere, you know, and like I said, they still get cosplay today and then they're, they're obviously remaking the game all these years later. So, yeah, it's got the pedigree. I, I think the game is going to be a huge hit. I, I'm, I, I think it's going to be a game of the year nominee and I'm basing that on a very short 90 minute demo. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's go ahead and take a break, and then we'll come back and share some of our thoughts on the Steam Next Fest. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. All right, guys. Steam Next Fest is back. I know that we are big fans of this. They do these, I believe, three times a year. If anyone doesn't know what Next Fest is, it's where you can hop on PC and Steam gives you access to hundreds of demos for all these upcoming games. Devs get to break down upcoming games. You get to watch them play. You can test it out yourself. And it's probably best if we start out with Pacific Drive because that is a game that uh, we have really hyped in the past. I know all three of us got a chance to try it out. I will say I, I was I was almost a little underwhelmed only because I had already watched video footage of everything you get to play in the demo, but it did still make me laugh because the first time I got out of my car, it started rolling downhill because I didn't put it in park. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I had a total blast playing it anyway, even though I already knew what was coming up. What did you guys think about Pacific Drive? When I, I did that when I first went into the repair shop. And then oh, yeah. uh, it popped up and it was like, <laughs> kick. I was like, oh, I can kick. I kicked the bumper and my car just oh. rolled all the way out of there. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> but I, I love it. I I loved just the vibe of the game. It felt almost like our early 2000s, like Half-Life 2 style kind of graphics look to it. And then just the way the atmosphere, the environment, the guys yelling at you over the radio and um just yeah it, i'm honestly i'm really excited to to mess around with it and, and play it some more it was um yeah all, all the different features the upgrades you can do to your vehicle it was it was really neat and it was more than i actually expected that was kind of my takeaway was there's more to this game than i thought there was gonna be yeah um some of the inventory systems and the crafting systems and like the car upgrades and the the stuff like that i was like dude this is kind of in depth man and then you get into like you're in your garage and then you can make like these attachments for your car, but you have to go into a special crafting room. And I just, there was kind of system upon system upon system. And I went, this is not what I expected. I love the driving around on the roads and you're just in this empty world and there's these weird things going on. There's rocks floating in the air and you know, there's some weird alien robot thing that's flying around and I'm like, I'm pretty sure I don't want to go near that thing. Cause it was called a, um, what was it called? Not an abductor, but a, a reclaimer or ah, I can't remember the name, but it was obviously bad. It was like, okay, well I yeah. don't want that thing yeah. to get near it, me. It, it was, it was patrolling the road. Yeah. Yeah. And it <laughs> yeah. was just like the, you know, um, I, I like the idea that you're getting in and out of your car a lot. I thought it was hilarious. At one point I got in my car in a hurry um, and then I, it wouldn't move. And I was like, what is going on? And then I realized you have to manually turn the key. 
Yeah. And then I was yeah. like, okay, this is cool because in a panic, which is going to happen, you have to remember to like get in, close the door, turn the key, put it in drive. Like at one point it started raining and I couldn't see. And it's like, hit your windshield wipers and the wipers go and it like clears your windshield for a second, depending yeah. on how heavy it's raining. And I was like, dude, these are all super neat touches. Um, I am very excited to see where this game goes. They didn't give you a ton of the supernatural elements. I think this was more to kind of show off, you know, storage and the the upgrades that you can make to your car and how you repair your car and, and the the preparations you have to make, like with like bringing a spare tire and extra gas and things like that. So I think it was focusing a little bit more on like the survival elements. Mm-hmm. So if they really expand the supernatural part and the story portion of it, I think this could be a legitimately really good game. I mean, I was very pleasantly surprised by what I saw in the demo, and it definitely made me want to see more of this game. Well, and I just love that some of these games are coming out that are so much fun that aren't AAA titles. Yeah, yeah. Like Helldivers 2 is incredible. They nail the vibe and the feel of the game. And Pacific Drive is very similar. I mean... There is some stuff that might drive some people crazy. It doesn't bother me at all, but I loved just taking a wrench and like smacking a wheel three times and it just poof. It's a perfect wheel. And I'm like, okay, some people are really going to hate that. I don't mind at all because the gameplay seems to be so good. It was far more complicated and in depth than I thought it would be because they tell you like, go get all this uh, material to build something. I don't remember the name. It's been a few days since I played the demo and you needed to get like gears, but then it told me I had all the mats I needed, but I had no gears, but that's because I had to go to the back of my car and you can turn scrap into gears, but then sometimes you had to craft stuff back at the garage. And so it was, it was, it was very fun in the demo just to learn the systems. I felt like kind of like you were saying, Josh, it's more to give you the vibe and the idea of the game. I think it's shaping up to be a lot of fun. I know we're going to be picking that one up here in just a few days. Yeah. Heck yeah. I'm excited for it too. We we had a moment where we were really torn between Nightingale and Pacific Drive. And I yeah. think the demo of Pacific Drive really sold us on this is the game that we're going to cover. Maybe we'll get to Nightingale down the road sometime. But I mean, it the demo was good enough that it really kind of solidified the deal for us. So, Josh, I saw you played like six or seven demos from the Next Fest. What what else stood out to you other than Pacific Dude, Drive? I, Next Fest for me is like just a kid in a candy store. I, I mean, I get <laughs> I get to try so many different things. You guys were funny because you're like, well, I tried this demo and this one. And I'm like, I listed like eight that I tried. And yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, we don't have enough time for me to really get deep into them. Um I will say uh, there is a roguelike card game called Bellatro, um that is based on poker. So you are playing poker with a lot of <laughs> modifiers and stuff. Uh, one of our okay. one of our uh, real life friends, uh, Steve, was the one that had introduced me to this at least and was raving about it. I looked at a video and I went, "You're crazy!" And then I was like, "You know what? Let me give it a try." And I will say there is something to it. It sounds goofy, but the fact that it has like Texas Hold'em as its heart. Uh, of the game really does kind of make it interesting. Um, Stormgate, we've talked about this one. This is for all you Warcraft, Starcraft fans out there. It's made by the devs that initially made those games. Um, It felt very, very similar. I mean, almost so much so that it really felt like I was just playing those games, but with a different skin on some of the characters and stuff. The weird part to me on that is the only mode you could play is a 1v1 where you're facing off against somebody else. I am admittedly terrible 
at RTS games. And so while I'm poking around the map and trying to build, you know, ah building or something like that, all of a sudden within the first four minutes of the game, here come <laughs> nine soldiers from the enemy and just absolutely obliterated my base. And I was like, okay, okay, come on now. So I played another round and guess what happened? I'm poking around. I'm, I managed to make like a second building and then here comes 10 guys. And I'm like, oh, come on. You're getting Zerg rushed. <laughs> yeah, like just instantly. And I was like, okay, well, this is why I don't play real-time strategy games. But it seemed very good. It was very polished. I think that's going to be a great game when it comes out. Dungeonborn, which is a like a first-person dungeon crawler PvEVP extraction game. I don't know how many genres we can throw at something. <laughs> sure. um, that one was quite interesting to me. Um, it felt a little rough around the edges, but it was very neat to go th crawling through this like dungeon. I Of course, I played a rogue, so I had my two daggers, and I could backstab stuff, and I could stealth. But there's other people in the dungeon at the same time. Now, I didn't come across anybody alive, um, but there was a good variety of monsters and you're trying to find gear and then you have to extract through a portal kind of thing. It, I think it needs some polish, but the idea is sound and it it really harkens to my love of like D&D. &D. So there's definitely mm. some potential there as well. Um, and Can then I the say last one thing about that real quick. Yeah, of course. Can we just stop naming insert thing born here like yes everything yes. is how many born dragon born dragon born star, 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 star born star born no. yeah dungeon born <laughs> yeah I, that one's weird but i don't know i guess it just it's familiar to people maybe but i'm with you it's kind of overdone at this point um so this next game is called Gateborn. no i'm just kidding it's called gatekeeper uh <laughs> this felt a hundred percent like a 2d risk of rain I mean, almost oh, okay. exactly so down. Risk of Rain 1. Yeah, basically. <laughs> I mean, almost exactly down to like the character models. Um, the art style is, you would swear it was made by the exact same people. Like, honestly, it was that close. This one was actually a little underwhelming to me because the combat was a little bit slower paced. Um, and it just felt like I, I was just like, I just wish I was playing Risk of Rain in this case. Like, it seemed polished and it seemed good. So if that's your kind of game, like it might be well worth checking out. I mean, I didn't hate anything about it by any means, other than that the combat just felt a little slow. But uh, again, for me, it was like, I just would want to play Risk of Rain instead at that point. Or even waiting for Hyper Light Breaker, hyper light breaker whatever, drifter, yeah, whatever that's yeah, called. Hyper Light yeah. Breaker. Yep, exactly. <laughs> uh, the only game I wanted to bring up that I had tested out that I thought was a lot of fun is Children of the Sun. So I ran across an article that called it a puzzle sniper game to which I said, say no more. I love puzzle games. I love sniper <laughs> rifles. Sign me up. I, I stopped reading the article and I instantly downloaded the demo. Very cool idea. Pretty simplistic game. Basically, you're just someone who is trying to snipe and kill everyone who is in a cult called Children of the Sun. And what happens is they're at these little encampments and you can run around the outside edge and you mark where all the enemies are. And then you have to pick them all off with one bullet. But kind of the thing is when you shoot someone, it's kind of like a magic bullet. If I shoot it and kill someone, now the bullet stops right there and the game slows down into bullet time. Now I can aim and look around and shoot someone else. 
I can aim, shoot someone else, but it's one bullet. So as long as you never miss, you try to kill everybody. But then they start throwing all these extra little mechanics at you. Like, well, now you can control the bullet, kind of like the movie Wanted with Angelina Jolie. Oh, yeah. Curve the bullets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the curve bullets. And then you can like blow up cars. So that doesn't count as a miss, you know, because it'll blow up people nearby. And then when you beat it, there's a worldwide leader for the number of points. So like how fast you killed everybody, if you got any multi kills, stuff like that. I thought it was actually really clever and a lot of fun. I mean, it's, it's going to have to be like a 10, $15 game. Um, but I thought that was really cool to check out. Interesting. Something for change of pace. Yeah. I like the yeah. idea of like, yeah, who's ever, who in the world has ever heard of a sniper puzzle game? Not me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's why I got excited. Paul's like, say less, baby. Paul loves these yeah. really obscure, <laughs> like odd games. But I actually did see a trailer for that. And I, and I could have sworn I heard some people talking about it too. So apparently there's something there or yeah, it's just the something. creativity of like, you know, the fact that somebody was able to mesh these two things together and actually make it fun, you know, is, is a cool thing to experience. Yeah, I'll it's always, a pretty cool idea. I'll, I'll be on and I'm, I'm, you know, doing some work or something and it pops up. Paul's playing blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what? what is, I don't even, <laughs> even heard of this game. What is he playing? <laughs> oh, that was like before it even got popular. Um, Cult yeah. Simulator. I remember Josh and I talking about that, <laughs> you know, a couple of years ago. Oh, I'll, I'll pick up the weird ones and check them out for sure. All right. And then our last story of the week. We'll, we'll do this one relatively quickly. Assassin's Creed Nexus VR. Now, this one came out a few months back, released in November. We did talk about it on one of our This Week in Gaming episodes. We all agreed it seemed like it had a lot of really cool stuff. Now, both of you famously get really bad motion sickness with VR. So the idea of running around as Ezio or the other characters uh, doing parkour on roofs and jumping hundreds of feet in the air probably was never going to be in the cards for you guys. <laughs> no. I did not pick it up because there's just too many games on our list. Uh, like I've got a bunch of games waiting for me. This one's just not exactly at the top. Well, the game actually got fairly decent ratings, especially as far as VR goes. It's a 78 on Metacritic. User scores are very high, 8.9 out of 10. But the game did not sell particularly well. Ubisoft even came out and said that the numbers were so disappointing that they are not looking into increasing their investment into VR at this time. So I kind of wanted to ask you guys, like, why do you think this game didn't do well? Because we all agreed that it looked great. Do you think it's just too many people get motion sickness? Is this Assassin's Creed fatigue? Are people just not as hyped about VR these days? Like, what's going on? Uh, it, probably it's a combination of, you know, all of it. It's, it's you know... The market's going to dictate what's going to happen. So, uh, obviously, as the technology progresses and it becomes a cheaper one, and then more readily available and easier to use, easier to uh, uh, set up, and and for people who are you know maybe a little have a little trouble setting those types of things up. But I, I think those making that transition to get people to go from what they've done for. 20 30 years as far as sitting on a couch and playing a game to doing the vr it's just gonna take time so maybe they're just kind of let's just backpedal not dump a bunch of money in this let the technology catch up make maybe the market catches up to this and then we can really heavily invest into it 
Yeah, I think some of it is definitely related to VR. Um, Even us, you know, I mean, we we game all the time. We have all just said, I play my VR for like a week and then it sits on a shelf for six months at a time. Um, VR can feel like work sometimes. Like, I think it's incredible at times, but there's definitely times where it's like, I don't want to stand up and, and have to play a game and flail around and... Like, I just want to sit in my comfy chair at my desk, kicked back and, you know, like just relaxing and playing something. And so I think there's times when VR just doesn't sound like that. Um, I'll be honest. I'm not sure that they did a great job marketing this game either. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, agree. I, I think honestly, like we are very, you know, obviously up to date with news and we're digging into gaming news and, and releases and stuff like that. But I don't think I saw any kind of advertisement for this game at all. And the one that I did was directly tied to like the MetaQuest 3, which, you know, none of us have. So it's kind of like, oh, well, I can't even play this game because I don't have a MetaQuest 3. So I think they didn't really do themselves any favors in marketing this game. And honestly, Paul, I mean, you kind of touched on this earlier before we started recording is I think there's just some fatigue with Ubisoft games and the Assassin's Creed. I mean, there's so many Assassin's yeah. Creed Mirage came out and people really liked it. And we saw articles where they said, Hey, we're going to, you know, we're going to go back to our roots and we're going to make fun games again. And it's kind of like, well, what the heck have you guys been doing for the last <laughs> five years? You know, cause it's obviously not making fun games at this point. Um, so I do think there's a little bit of fatigue there as well. I mean, Ryan, you kind of said it, I think it's a culmination of a lot of different factors. I, I mean, as a VR game goes, we all thought this game looked really good. So, and it, uh, you know, according to the user reviews, it is pretty good. So it's either that VR is just not super mainstream or they did a bad job marketing it or it's a bad game. Well, it doesn't seem like it's a bad game. So at that point, it kind of points to one of the other two. Yeah. Or maybe everyone's saving up for their Apple Pro Vision. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about you guys. My TikTok feed is giving me people pulling up to like curbs and getting out of their car wearing them and yeah. walking oh, around and no. it looks it looks so stupid <laughs> i think i think it's incre- it's incredible tech but the fact that you see people like getting out of their cars wearing them is like all right come yeah. on now don't don't be wearing these in public you know wear it at home yeah <laughs> All right. Well, I think that wraps up everything in regards to this week in gaming. We want to say thank you to everyone for joining us. If you'd like bonus episodes and other perks, like getting all our episodes ad-free and a day early, go check it out at MultiplayerSquad.com. You can find us on socials at VideoGamersPod, and please take a second to rate us five stars. And if you have an iPhone, you can leave a written review. Thank you so much, and until next time, happy gaming. Together for liberty! For democracy! (laughs) See everybody.